welcome to Women Leading the Way radio show, where each time you'll hear from successful women CEOs, executives, and professionals, where we'll discover how they do what they do to be successful in business. We'll be interviewing women who have overcome big challenges, women who have incredible stories of lessons learned in dealing with adversity. We'll even interview women who have started and grown successful organizations and women who are C-level executives with unique talents and positions. Our goal is to bring successful businesswomen together to share how they're leading the way in business today. Good afternoon, listeners. Welcome to Women Lead Radio. This is John Burroughs, your host today, this February 16th, 2024, my first show of the year. And I'm very happy to be joined today by our leading lady, Rachel Clark, who is the CEO and founder of Queen of Hearts Global. So I'd uh, like to welcome her to the show. Say hello to our audience, please, if you would, Rachel. Hi there, John. Thanks so much for the invitation. I'm happy to be here. Absolutely. So this is a show with a little bit of a a different twist where oftentimes I'm talking about things financial and such on uh, your your fiscal uh, fitness. But today we're taking a little bit of a a turn more to the artistic side of things. And uh, Rachel, I'd like you to just, I mean, give a little history if you would. You are the curator of Queen of Hearts Global, which is technically an international company, all focused in and around the arts. And I'll share with folks um, that I just, this last week, I literally got home last night, late last night, flying back from New York City, where I was attending uh, your show, that you just had an anniversary show. I think it was your fifth anniversary, your second Manhattan major showing as curator of different types of art. So if you would just fill in the blanks here for us and let our audience know what the history is, what your business is all about, please. Sure. Yeah. So Queen of Hearts Productions was formed late 2018 in anticipation of my first ever curatorial project that launched Valentine's Day uh, 2019. And it is an international project in that since Valentine's Day 2019, I have curated or co-curated two projects that the art went to South America and some of the images also went to Europe. Uh, Queen of Hearts kind of started because I personally am a fan and um, great appreciator of of all things urban art, specifically no more more well known as as street art and graffiti, wheat paste, stickers, uh, bolt ups, installs, things like that. And so what I wanted to do is I wanted to create opportunities for artists to show their skill and creativity inside a gallery setting. Um, so obviously in order for something to be street art, it would have to be on the street. So I give opportunities and curate exhibitions for um, these artists to put work on the street, to put work in, in galleries. Uh, I actually curate in a somewhat unique fashion in that I'm a thematic curator. So what that means is that I create a theme of a show, I do a curatorial prompt, and then I invite artists to participate as the prompt resonates. And some curators will spend a lot of time, they'll go studio to studio to studio to kind of handpick pieces, but all of my pieces 
97% probably are created specifically in response to my curatorial theme, which kind of creates some magic because uh, everybody is creating with my words in mind. And so in that regard, I say that I am a collaborative curator because it's me working with artists to bring to life my, my, my vision. Um, really? That's interesting. Um, I, I also had the pleasure, folks, of, uh, and by the way, Rachel and I have known each other for a very, very long time. Uh, uh, I, I won't tell you how old she is now, but I've known Rachel since she was uh, basically two years old. So we right. have a long it's history. <laughs> yep, quite a few years. So I, And along that same idea, now this show, Queen of Hearts, obviously, uh, you know, had something to do with Valentine's Day, which is exact when the closing night was on Wednesday, Valentine's Day. But I also had the pleasure of attending your show in Portland, Oregon here a couple of years ago. And I'm trying to remember the exact, it was catharsis and something. Right. It was um, called Inertia, Catharsis, ah. and it explored grief and the path to healing or the journey to healing through art. So really? uh, after my first show in 2019, which was, Street Heart Valentine's and Confessions, I was really deliberate when thinking about my brand and what I wanted my company to be known for, and I didn't want to just be that woman who did Valentine's Day shows. So I mm-hmm. deliberately spent the next couple of years curating shows that would demonstrate the breadth of where my thematic creativity could go. Inertia Catharsis, of course, was... was um, focusing on grief in all sorts of forms. I mean, it was kind of envisioned in December of 22 when we were coming out of pandemic, but I didn't want a show just about pandemic. And so I was deliberate in my prompt to the artist saying, I don't want a bunch of art with masks. There is plenty of art that, and photographs that include masks. Let's dig deeper. What is your personal um, hardship? What is your personal grief? And so it, some was divorce, some was loss of a parent, others was loss of personal identity when they lost their career. Uh, and so that was a, it was a personally trying and really difficult curation, um, but it was very cathartic for the artists who participated in it because they, because of the theme component, they have to dig into the the curatorial prompts and also I always try to invite artists that would not obviously fit within the theme. As an example, I invited a woman from California whose art is always very bright and vibrant and happy. And I was like, what would you do with this theme? And she, as a mother of a young child, has been thinking a lot about um, climate change and the weight of the world that we are giving to our children. And so that's where she looked at her grief and then shifted the catharsis part to um, positivity and how you can kind of take control of of what you want to do for for the earth and things like that. That's awesome. Now I know for a fact that you have uh, traveled the world extensively. Um, as you've joked with me many times, you you'll say name a country and I'll show you a picture of me in it. You know, but um, that being said, can you give us like maybe a, a tidbit or two or just one or two little stories about some of the artists you've discovered just or a happenstance in your in your travels around mm-hmm. the world because I know you've been a lot of places. Uh, give us an example. Yeah, so art is an amazing opportunity to connect with people. I was in um, Indonesia in Bali specifically, and there were several murals that I found really captivating. And it 
spoke, and again, it was some kind of social commentary and environmental commentary, and I was able to identify the artist because most often murals will have um, been, will be signed, especially in the last, let's say, six or seven years, people will kind of put an at symbol, which is essentially where you can find them on social media, which is a way to identify artists. But I was able to identify Bonat and went to his small gallery shop literally on the way out of town. And I had a couple of magazines um, by uh, a public here in New York called Up Magazine and provided some copies for that. So that was giving him some New York, um, giving him some New York memorabilia. And it was really a nice opportunity just to connect with somebody far away. Uh, similarly, my show this time has artists from France, Oliver Stencils, whom I've met and traveled and been in the presence of them installing some art. And then another artist from Brighton in the UK, they, we corresponded only through social media, and yet they still wanted, they accepted my invitation to come alive. So I think art has the ability to create community and cross barriers in many ways. Interesting. Now, I had the pleasure of meeting several of the artists that were in your show, and which I, frankly, folks, if you ever have the opportunity, wherever you are, or check it out online. By the way, before I forget, Rachel, people want to check out your business. Give them a contact uh, point of view or a perspective for for your website and such so they can check out and see what we're talking about, you know, face-to-face, so to speak. Right. So um, my main website is QOH, as in Queen of Hearts, Global. So QOHglobal.com. That has all of my, most of my curatorial projects. It has links to videos so you can see the exhibits. And then I do sell some prints and stuff on QOH Global Art, but you can link that through QOH Global. If you are on social media, Instagram is where I'm active at Queen of Hearts Global. Excellent, excellent. That, that's terrific. So with that, before I dive into a million other questions here, we're going to take a just a quick commercial break just to say thank you to those people out there that help us uh, make this show possible. So Women Lead Radio is brought to you today by Connected Women of Influence and our partner, Microsoft. The Microsoft mission is to empower every person and organization on the planet to achieve more. Microsoft believes technology is a powerful force for good and are working to foster a sustainable future where everyone has access to the benefits and opportunities created by technology. Microsoft believes technology can and should be a powerful force for good and that meaningful innovation can and will contribute to a brighter world in big and small ways. Thank you for your support, Microsoft, and to all our sponsors and partners. And that being said, so back to our discussion here. Now, one thing I noticed, and I'm sure you've, there's some humorous interactions you've had here and there along the way, but if there's anything I observed at the show and meeting some of the artists, uh, street art and uh, urban art, contemporary art, let's face it, artists can be, oh, what's the word, unique, uh, eclectic mm-hmm. in their own approach to the world. And they definitely march to different drummers at time. And having met a good handful of them, I, for one, can attest firsthand to that uh, that truth being said. So are there any challenges that you are, uh, come up to you when dealing with your actual artists and getting them to you know, get in step, let's face it, 
foot on a show and you'll share those details. It's structure. You've got to have everything in place. But not everybody's listening and or really has that experience of uh, trying to collaborate in a in a constructive way, shall we say. So I don't think you'll find them uncooperative because, let's face it, you're trying to get them exposed. But what are the challenges you face when you're dealing with the artists themselves? Oh, yeah. I, I spend just usually the week leading up to the show, I remind myself that I have chosen this. This is something that I, this is a choice. Um, and it's, it's very much like herding cats. Uh, so it requires a great deal of precision. This show actually had 70 artists invited. And so what that means is I have to, right, I have to correlate all of the communications. This is the size dimensions. Here's the prompt. Here's a reminder for when art is due. Here's a reminder of the size restrictions. Here's how you can invite your guests. Here's where you drop off the art, and here's where you pick up the art, and, and things like that as, as an example. And that's just in dealing with the artist. Uh, but yeah. it's challenging because my level of production is different than what is really being done in the, in the New York Street art scene. Um, and so people were initially surprised. I had one artist who just completely ignored the size dimensions and created two pieces that were 40% larger than what anybody else was going to be allowed and kind of went off with a huff and a puff and said, fine, I won't be in the show. And I was too busy to reply to him. And two days later, lo and behold, he created something within the size limit. So it's a matter of like, they are not intentionally um, rude or not, it's just a not used you having to be held accountable because um, because things tend to be more relaxed. So right. kind of, I'm, my goal is to bring them along and not have a street art gallery, but to have a contemporary art gallery featuring uh, these artists who happen to also include work on the street. And so it's just kind of this process of getting them up to speed for A, my vision for Queen of Hearts, and B, my belief in their capabilities. Mm-hmm. Excellent. Um, <clears throat> that that makes some sense here too. And so, and you, I love the way you put that too. Just saying, uh, basically, kind of like herding cats. Because uh, mm-hmm. I'm familiar with that in my business too. It's not everybody that really gets it. Uh, so, a little history here now too. I, I see in my notes here from the show. During these five years, you've had. Golly, quite a bit going on there, too. Uh, I'm going to so I'll make this two-part. Number one, we'll review all of these different types of uh, variations on your shows and what you've done. And then, two, you started this pre-COVID, and, of course, that hammered everybody nationwide, worldwide, mm-hmm. for that matter. So that had to upset the apple cart because art is one of those things that, typically speaking, it's face-to-face. Well, when you lose that, you had to make a – you had to turn on a dime, but – um uh, let's go through like those last couple years. You've got like uh, multiple U.S. states. You've done curated group shows before. What exactly is a group show? So uh, Got Heart, which you just observed, is a group show, right, because it is uh, exhibiting the works of a group of artists. I've also mm-hmm. curated a solo show for an artist that um, was – fits and starts because of, as we were like slowly coming out of pandemic, the idea there was 
I was releasing this idea of um, Cafe de la Arena, which is a kind of a sub-brand, which will be a speakeasy-type location for to combine culinary arts and, and spirits and, and art in a single place. So that's, that's a solo show. Um, the group art shows have ranged from 15 to now 70 artists. And then the different, some of them I have co-curated, for example, right? Um, my second group show in July 2019 was with a Brazilian artist who was my co-curator, and she has subsequently decided that she doesn't actually want to be a curator. She just wants to create art. Um, and then my third group show was with a Peruvian gallerist um, who invited her Peruvian artists, some of whom that she represents, to submit pieces, and then she brought those pieces to Peru, and then I took my pieces to um, to Peru, and so those artists have had the opportunity to display in both countries at this point. Um, and then mm-hmm. some of the other projects in terms of, I think of other opportunities to give artists and more kind of create synergy, right? Real estate companies, it's a really good example. I, we knew our staging an open house Think about how nice your room would look if it had a vibrant piece of art rather than something that is clearly on rent for staging and looks like it just came from, from Crate and Barrel or Ikea or something like that. So I worked right. with a couple of different real estate agents who wanted to make the properties they were listing more captivating and more like a real home. Huh. I just noticed something in one of the notes uh, then reading before I did caught I see that you curated a solo show for the launch of Cafe de la Reina. Now, if my Spanish is correct, Reina is queen, correct? Of course, exactly. That's the, the was, was that a coincidence version. or did you set that up? Oh, yeah. I, I'm brand first, right? Everything I do is intentional. Uh, I, don't, I, I don't come from um, – I'm, I'm a, a lawyer by trade, so I haven't spent a lot of time about – and knowing about how to kind of jump in headfirst into being an entrepreneur, but I understand that brand consistency matters. And so that was definitely an intentional act. Interesting. And you did a couple of virtual galleries and uh, pop-up shows and things of that. A pop-up show for people that don't understand that, just explain very simply exactly what is the nature of a pop-up show. So the pop-up shows happened specifically because of the challenges during COVID, right? It, it couldn't have a gallery space open, and we knew that there wouldn't be the amount of traffic um, that the time and the art deserves. So uh, I took some art up to a New York suburb called Chappaqua, and we did a salon hours to try and have some local people come in. At that point, we were still all masked and, and it was staged and things like that. So the idea is um, it's just like any kind of pop-up shop that you may see. I actually follow, in general, all of my shows are pop-ups because I don't maintain my own gallery space. But that is, again, intentional because I want the ability and the ability to travel and interact with other curators and identify new artists with whom I'd like to work. Mm-hmm. Interesting. So I see also, to your credit, you have a – a silent auction curation for charity. Tell us a little bit about that. Peace Raiser for New York Institute of Peace. What was that all about? So um, a mentor of mine was on the board of the New York Peace Institute, and 
came up with this idea of having original art available for auction. Um, and I really enjoyed it, and I think it's a good opportunity to create synergies, right? Because when you're thinking about your business, where can you think of synergies that may be um, unexpected and out of the ordinary? So not, what I meant is um, I was hoping that the people who already supported New York Peace Institute would be a whole pool of people that may not be familiar with my artists, and so then my artists would get exposure to a new pool of people similarly. I was promoting the show, the artists were promoting the event, and so people who already are familiar with the artists are learning about the charity. So it's an opportunity for, for synergy and collaboration and basically raising, raising the tide. All boats rise when the tide rises is kind of the thought for that. Mm -hmm. And you can go to a charity event and it's always the same stuff for sale. Bid on a massage, bid on a weekend away, bid on a golf game. It's like I haven't really, and I've seen some prints and things like that, but it brought a really nice, um, it was a nice change of pace. Additionally, my intention is that it changes the conversation because the, the pieces were created within the theme of the charity, and so then it gives a different thing to talk to people about. Hmm. Very interesting. Um, I know you have quite a bit. You're, you're no stranger to leading the group or the, the Especially when it comes to your passion and your work and your business. So you've got over 100 episodes of different kinds of uh, uh, things that you do. I know one you call Artsy Sundays, and there's a whole list. Can I dig a little deeper for us and tell us exactly those other venues that you have out there other than just the art shows and the website? Right. So, I, I mean, I, I do have a, a YouTube channel, but it is sparsely populated just with the videos of um, – that have been created capturing um, my shows. But Artsy Sundays was, came out of pandemic, right? When my curator, um, my proving co-curator, Brenda Ortiz Clark and I were realizing that we were not going to be able to do what we intended for 2020 or even 2021. And so mm -hmm. we got together and decided, okay, how do we, a, spend time with each other, and how do we continue the conversation about art? So we focus a lot on the concept of the power of art to create community, the power of art to inspire change, and the power of art to um, inspire civic engagement. Because, of course, 2020 was, I think our first episode was probably the week after George Floyd was killed. Um, and there was protests all over the world, and then that continued that entire summer right into the 2020 election. So we focused a lot about um, art in, in civic engagement with the rest of it. And then after the election, we continued well into 2021. And Brenda talking about her projects and the curatorial projects she was working on in Peru, me working on my work with, with Cafe de la Arena and the Acosta show and, and moving forward from there. So... Mm. Quite a body. Interesting. <clears throat> right. Now, I've seen your taste in art personally, um, but is there any, it's per, totally personal, is there any kind of art that is, if you, for lack of a better word, your favorite, uh, or are you just all over the map? Well, I like the creativity and the expressionism of, of street artists. I mean, I also, but I'm also enjoy, 
every day. I would love to spend, if I could spend 15 minutes a day staring at a Van Gogh and looking at the textures and, and the palette and the oil that he used, I would. Um, but for the most part now, my collection does gear towards contemporary artists, specifically focusing on those um, and urban art, street art specifically, because I guess street art is now recognized as the most recent contemporary art movement starting in the 80s. People know of Banksy, people know of Shepherd Ferry, and they are commercially known and worldwide known street artists, but they are working mm -hmm. in the same types of mediums as the artists that I work with, right? Um, mm -hmm. Banksy is known for wheat paste and stencil work. I had, I featured pieces by stencil artists. Uh, there's another very famous artist named Invader. Invader comes from the old Atari game, and so it's tiled hmm. mosaics put installed on the side of buildings. In my show, there was also a mosaic piece by somebody who does install tiles on the side of buildings. Um, and then Shepherd Ferry, of course, Shepherd Ferry started doing stickers and then progressed to wheat paste. Interesting. Also, I have a couple of your, I have a few of your stickers from your, uh, from your company. One of them is on my car. Uh, mm -hmm. <laughs> and, uh, well, I had to promote your business. <laughs> and then I know that you've put a few of them in and around San Diego. Now you were broadcasting from San Diego, California, right? So you used to live here for some time earlier in your life. Did you have any tendencies towards art back in your you know, in your high school days and pre-college days when you were living here? I did not. And actually, I um, was friends with the son of, like, my parents' friends, right? So that one degree of separation was a graffiti writer very in in the scene. Um, and I, I didn't understand it. He was in the Bay Area, which is a much more urban area. San Diego, I guess there were murals. In under the bridge and, and El Barrio and, and stuff like that. But at that point, I hadn't made this connection of that mural art is contemporary art. It's just in the public. Uh, and so I have now gone back and spent a bunch of time in Barrio Logan and appreciating the murals that are there. Um, and street art's an interesting thing. You walk by it all the time, and then once you have your eyes open, you start to recognize that there's a sticker, um, oh, there's, there's a wheat paste or something like that. Hmm. Interesting. So, so basically, a lot of your efforts are all really discussing and promoting the power of art to communicate, pretty much connect with people and inspire. Um, I, I think those are your words exactly. So um, that sounds like your goal. Now, you have goals with your business. Um, what are you moving towards or turning towards? I mean, between street art, urban art, contemporary art, what is your vision for your company as you move forward? Uh, my vision for Queen of Hearts is to continue to bridge the gap in understanding between um, the people who appreciate or aware or think that like what Banksy or Shepard Perry is doing is really cool and understanding that that goes on everywhere and understanding where their roots are. Uh, and I would like to move away from, I guess, helping people view street art more as, as contemporary art and understanding what goes on all around them. 
Um, the artists mm-hmm. that I work with, and again, they're 70, they are not the ones that are spray painting windows. They are not the ones that are um, doing things, tagging and, and things like that. It's really more um, carefully placed. Mm-hmm. Uh, additionally, I want to move into kind of like a consulting space. I'd like to connect artists with brands that are interested in um, unique creative perspectives. Many of these artists are actual graphic designers for large corporations. Um, and so they have that entire skill set as well and able to translate into products, but maybe they could do it with their own signature creativity. Uh, and also kind of trying to help some artists that are more interested in the business side of it become more aware and help them produce their own art shows. And, and then they would be able to take more control over their career without having to wait to be invited to participate in a show. What, um, uh, well, what advice would you have to somebody who says, uh, you know, I've always had this tendency or wanted to go this route, um, you know, but never really figured out how to do it. And I'll, I'll preface that question with while I was in New York, and I was there for five days, folks, or four and a half, whatever, uh, I met several people just in and around, restaurant, you know, just in public, who were artists. One of them uh, ran a recycling business. The other one was a, uh, a rough carpenter, a framing carpenter. And yet I saw their artwork on their phones and such, and I was absolutely blown away. I'm going, well, you know, maybe it's not putting food on the table, but that doesn't stop you from being creative and selling a piece here and there. So your advice to somebody who's never got out of the gate with their own artistic tendencies or desires, what are you going to say to them? Uh, you, you have to draw every day, right? Create every day. It's good for your mental health, and you get better if you do it all the time. A number of the artists that were in my show – I did not invite to my shows four and five years ago because it was not at a caliber that I wanted to to show. And they've come so far because I know that they are constantly creating and constantly looking for opportunities. Art, mm-hmm. like any other business, is about networking. Right? This is Connected Women of Influence. Networking is critically important. And really at the heart of it is making connections with people so that they – want to work with you or give you opportunity. Okay. One more question here. We're going to, gosh, this half hour blows right away here, and I'll have to say goodbye and sign off in just a moment here. But uh, Paris doesn't count, so you can't choose Paris. Any other city in all your travels around the world, your favorite for art, uh, whether it be contemporary Um, or otherwise, what's your favorite city? Paris? You can't um, say Paris. I want to get back to Berlin for the street art, and I actually just came back from Valparaiso in Chile. Sadly, they had all the fires, but the art there is also incredible. Yeah, well, good to know. Well, um, Rachel, I, I want to thank you very much. Rachel Clark, uh, Q of, uh, QOH, Queen of Hearts Global. Give them the, um, the email or the, yep. your address so they can check out your work again. Exactly. Check me out on social, Queen of Hearts Global on Instagram, and my website is qhglobal.com. Feel free to submit a contact us form if you'd like to be put on my mailing list or reach out. Thank you for having me. 
You betcha. And special thanks to all our listeners, both in the U.S. and international, as we are an international show. After our show today, you can listen to Women Lead Radio and all subscription podcasts, specifically Apple Podcasts, iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and iHeartRadio. It's been my sincere pleasure to be your host today. Thank you for listening, and have a great week, folks. Thanks again, Rachel. Love having you on the show. Women Leading the Way is produced by Connected Women of Influence, the premier private membership organization where like-focused, business-to-business, executive and professional women connect, collaborate, and cultivate a vast network of high-level affiliations, resources, and professional relationships. For more information about Connected Women of Influence, please visit our website at connectedwomenofinfluence.com.